Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Studs Show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Talamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. Somebody say toast. It's uh, what's today? It's Friday, right? Emil, is it Friday? It is Friday. You sure? You 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 hesitated there. Now now I gotta go well, to Twitter and find out if today's and, Friday. You were or saying not. toast, and the first thing I thought about when you said toast was the Thursday night football game the NFL puts on every week. Uh, you know toast. what? It was a disaster for a while, and then it turned into something. You know, kudos to uh, well, Jameis uh, Winston and the boys for not giving up. But here's the problem. By the time it turned into something, I think most people turned the channel. Yeah, I mean, they're doing all kind of things to get us to watch. You know what I mean? Uh, Christmas-type uh, outfits. You know, the uh, the Buccaneers were hella red, and uh, the uh, Rams were hella yellow to the point where, uh, what what was it? Who, who said it last night? Um, mustard is leading ketchup at the half. Yeah. That that actually we beats at. the one game. I have to say the Christmas game, you know, where where they had the all red yeah, Bills the, playing the, the all red. green Jets. That was was mm-hmm. not as bad as what I saw last night. That was, it was tough on the eyes. What I saw of it. Yeah, well, that's what we had out there last night. A couple of crayons out there on the field playing, and the Rams tried to run away with it early, and uh, Jameis Winston and the boys would not. You know what struck me last night? It has before, but once again, it struck me, and that is that. Uh, uh, I don't know that – I really think – and this pisses off Florida State fans for obvious reasons. I really think Jimbo Fisher should have um, taken a job at LSU and moved on. Uh, I don't know what his personal life situation is. If there's something there preventing him, then I guess you understand. But from a professional standpoint, should have gathered up his things and moved on. Because when you watch Jameis Winston, you realize he was very special and a very huge reason as to why Florida State – uh, hoisted that national championship trophy, and I don't think they're getting another guy like that again. Not any time. Well, soon. but don't just, I mean, do you, do you really want to say that the only success they could have is, is, I mean, only one team wins the championship. I mean, they went 10-2 and two this year. They're going to tell you they lost to a team in the playoffs as one of their games, and the other one was a goofy loss against Georgia Tech. It's not like they went from, you know, what they had to complete garbage, and if they win a bowl game, they end up 11-2, and two, pretty decent season. That's what he'd tell you. I mean, that's what his agent would tell you. He could tell you that all he wants. I know this. When I take a ball and I throw it in the air, it screams all the way up. And at some point, it loses its motion as it runs out of steam. And then it starts to come back down. And so, you know, I think for Florida State, using that analogy, I think the championship was when that ball ran out of steam. And then it's now it's on its way back down. And uh, you know they're not gonna, they're never gonna be terrible. They're just not gonna be that anymore. And in well, let me ask you this: now, What makes you think he's gonna do anything? I mean, if he can't win at Florida State in in a weaker conference, we're we're really at this point. I mean, forget North Carolina. Basically, at this point, the way that conference stands, he's got to be one team, Clemson. That's it. Until you know mm-hmm. Miami maybe gets their act together someday, or you know maybe we'll see if Carolina can sustain what they did this year. He's got to beat one team. Why would he want to go to? 
coach LSU where he's in a division where in any given year the other six teams could win it. Because it's a different challenge. It's a different place. You know, people will understand the parameters that uh, sit there. If he sits at Florida State and he doesn't win, you know, he doesn't win the ACC, uh, he doesn't get back to a championship game, he's judged against what he did at FSU. Um, so I think getting to LSU, knowing that Alabama's there, man, Nick Saban's not going to be there forever. What better time would it be for you to come in as Nick Saban's on his way out and you you supplant him as as the new Why, big Nick, dog? Did Nick tell you? Did Nick tell you something that I missed? Oh, I just got that feeling. I just got that feeling. You know what I mean? By Especially the way, on a programming note, day. Chad, December thirtieth, um, I will be unavailable doing any shows in the evening. I'll be uh, I'll be at the Music City Bowl quarterbacking Texas A and M. <laughs> oh, so it, know. that smells of wildcat, doesn't it? You know, why don't they put that? I'm not running the wildcat, buddy. Curve. I'm a pro. Listen, I'm a white guy. I'm I'm running pro set, okay? Uh, I've, Look, I've if you're there at that field, I'm pretty sure you're in your Dockers and your button-down shirt, and you're sitting in the stands watching that game, okay? So no one's buying <laughs> what you're selling right now, okay? No one sees you in cleats. The cleats don't go well with Dockers. Okay? Well, they better get That's somebody in cleats at Texas A&M, okay? <laughs> Hey, something's something's going on there, and I think uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to see that freshman they had this year. I think he was freshman of the year in, oh, in the SEC, Christian yeah, Kirk. Uh, you know what? You might want to direct snap to that kid and just do the best you can in this bowl game, and then figure it out from there. If 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 both of these kids are going to be gone, what the hell's going on there, Emil? He's got what? That's four, right? I mean, um, Allen left, right? Um, mm-hmm. What's this kid's name? The one that's transferring now that we're talking about the Murray, uh, Kyler, Mur- Kyler Murray. He left. Yes. Uh, Kenny Thrill Hill left last year, and there was one more. He's got four in like two years. I don't know what he's doing to quarterbacks down there, but but they're all out of there. Yeah, yeah. And you know what's um, funny? I don't I know what to an, say. I, an I mean, about it, him. Sumlin doesn't look like a guy that rides his quarterbacks hard to the point where they just can't take it and they're up and out of there. But something's definitely going on. And, uh, Kevin, all right, going back to my case that I made about, um, you know, Jimbo Fisher, I think Kevin Sumlin should have rode the train out of This is what coaching is now, okay? you got to know when you've peaked at the place that you're at. And Sumlin did that. Uh, he should have left. But we with said that. And we, did, we, we said that as soon as – if you remember when the first time the USC coaching job came up, even though you know we weren't necessarily saying he was nece- the right pick, we both thought that if he could get the job there, he should take it. And this is back when Kiffin was going, because we both felt that he ran into a guy like Manziel, and at a school that really, you know, has never been the powerhouse in the state of Texas. Recently, it is because Texas is down, but we felt he should go and go look at what he's done since Manziel left, 2013. Okay. That team was under 500 in the in the or at 500 or under in the SEC. I think they were four and four in the SEC. I just mm-hmm. looked it up. Okay, mm-hmm. the following year, uh, they they again were at 500 or below in conference play, and this year they were I think four and four. So they they haven't had a winning record in the conference since he left. They were three and five in 2014 and four and four this year. So I mean, since Manziel left in SEC play, they are 11 and 13. Yeah. That's not, um, too, that's not too good. No, no. And listen, you know what it is, man. This, this Here's a, just a little simple formula for you. If you have a Heisman Trophy winner, you got to leave with that guy. <laughs> that's 
really just what it boils down to. Well, especially like at certain at certain places, you do. I don't think Nick Saban has to necessarily leave with with no, Henry not or Nick Saban, but, not anyone that's been there for a while, not anyone that's been yeah. there for a while. But if you come in there and within, uh, if your first or your second quarterback is a Heisman Trophy winner, and uh, you know you you happen to win a national title, um, you you got to bounce. You got to bounce. Well, it sure seems like that because if you look, you know, look at what's happened, you know, Cam Newton and, and what happened then at Auburn subsequently. I mean, you, you take a look, you know, it's funny, Les Miles is still on the outs. They said even though he's staying, the, the seat's still real hot. And if LSU doesn't produce a six-win uh, season in conference next year, I've read where, they, you know, they're pointing to Miles saying, listen, since, since his, his uh, 2012 season, he hasn't won more than five games in the conference. Now, this guy's on the hot seat at LSU, but he's beaten someone four years in a row. So what does that say for someone right now? I mean, yeah, listen, the guy they're, they're obviously looking for someone. I think at this point everyone knows what they were trying to do was get Jimbo Fisher, and they felt like they had Jimbo Fisher. That's why they got all uh, puffed their chest out at Les Miles and was ready to pack his things and got all the boxes and everything else. Uh, I think that's what happened there. Now, this doesn't prevent them from setting their eyes on someone else who, you know, maybe maybe Jimbo's set where he is for a while, uh, maybe because of his personal situation, um, but doesn't doesn't stop them from setting their eyes on someone. You know, Chip Kelly's going to continue to look uh, a little clownish in the league, so he's going to become more and more available every year, if not this year. So he may be someone that they're looking at. And every year they look at someone like that, and it's going to be another year that they're trying to get rid of the guy. He's not secure there in, in Baton Rouge. No well, way. Let me ask you, you do your recruiting roundtable show, and if you haven't addressed this, I'd love for you to ask it You know, next show. How does this affect LSU's recruiting? Because, I mean, going into the season, these kids are more and more savvy. I mean, the high school coaches know what's going on. They have to be telling these kids, listen, if you're going to LSU, it better not be for less miles because he might not be there very long. I mean, is that affecting them um, at all? Here's here's my thought on on it. It shouldn't affect them because it's LSU, and you know LSU is going to replace Les Miles with someone uh, as good or better. You know LSU is going to win. LSU cares about football. LSU has a program. It's not some up and comer. It's not some fly by night program. So it shouldn't matter. However, having said that, um, as much as you tell young recruits this, you know, don't get attached to a coach. It's not about a coach. The truth of the matter is, we as human beings buy people not necessarily products. So they're buying into a coach that, um, you know, may not be there. I think they're really wise and intelligent kids that have guidance will get that and go to LSU because it's LSU. And the kids who have always grown up as LSU Tiger fans will go there. Others who have a ton of options may choose otherwise. So gradually, I think the uh, recruiting classes will get weaker if they don't, you know, eventually make a make a decision there with less that's, miles. I mean, that's the way I see it because I think, you know, Miles seems like a guy that that, that is a, a salesman and I'm sure he does a great job when he recruits and I have to think that if you if you like that and you feel like, well, this guy, you know, I mean, I, I love the guy, but he's not going to be there. You know, I mean, it's got to hurt you long term. And I have to, you know, I mean, this is not, this is a captain obvious, but I have to believe that A and M's in trouble with with you know recruiting quarterbacks because I mean if you're getting any kind of guidance you're looking and saying well wait they've just bounced four guys in two years why but something's going on there why am I signing up for that Yeah, um, you really can't um, make that move as a quarterback. Very difficult to have done that. Uh, you'd have to have such supreme confidence in your abilities to go there at this point and you and i both like someone but something's going on there and well look kyler uh, murray from what i've read and i saw him play this year i mean this kid was like mr dynamic when he you know i mean when he went there 
you you would think he was built for this guy's offense after watching Manziel play there. Um, well, listen, the, all these guys they brought in were pretty good, uh, well-regarded coming out of high school. Right. You know, that, that's been the deal for all these guys. But it's not like he stunk. It's not like he went there, he's transferring. I saw some games he played. I mean, it's not like he, he went there. They're saying personal reasons. The only personal reason I can think of is he doesn't like the coach or the coaching staff. I don't know. Yeah, and 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 look, the kid was playing. That's the yeah, right. stupefying thing about this whole. And the field, other kid, so. Allen, who started fourteen or fifteen games the year before, he left too. I mean, I don't know. You know, I I don't I didn't see where he transferred to yet or what he's doing. But I mean, he was another really highly regarded player. So I don't know. That just it it is. It's mystifying what's going on there. Um, it's wacky. At some out. point, as you know, it'll come out. It'll come out what the deal is. Maybe it'll happen when uh, Sumlin leaves. If you're Sumlin, what do you do, Emil? What, what, what do you do right now in terms of your job? Well, uh, we can't sit here and tell him what to do with with this team. We don't know what's on that roster and what you know what he could work with. What do you do, profe- uh, you know, career-wise? What are you doing? Well, career-wise, I mean, let's face it. You, you and your, if you're smart, you're talking to your agent. And, you know, the next big job that somebody wants you to sit down and interview for. You're, inter- I mean, I'm interviewing because I just don't see that. Um, I think they got a little spoiled quickly when they moved to the SEC, as you said. They, he ran into the Heisman Trophy winner, a special player in Manziel. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, had some some really good seasons. Had the big upset win of Alabama, which really carried a lot of weight. Um, and and I think has kind of kept him off the hot seat, and you know he he had that win and that memorable season, the Heisman. I think they went eleven and two that year. But I mean, for years A and M had been one of those programs where they'd step up every once in a while and throw a nine or ten win season at you. Uh, there was a lot of seven and five, six and six stuff over the years. Uh, they were the redheaded stepchild to Texas, and then all of a sudden, you know, these guys are in the SEC, and I, I think they got unrealistic expectations maybe you know the fan base might you know they're throwing 450 million dollars into that stadium down there and the fan base might start thinking that they're a big dog in the sec and i don't think they are i think they're a middle of the pack guy they're not alabama they're not lsu they're not florida they're not georgia you know that's that's just not what texas yeah, A&M is. yeah i'm just curious as to what kevin sumlin thought he would do did he think he'd be able to hold on to that job and uh, you know, do this at Texas A&M for 10 years, 15 years. I mean, you can't come into this coaching game now thinking that way. I mean, I mean you have to be the best guy. Uh, you got to be the best guy in the game to be coaching that long. To be quite honest with you, um, if you're not, well, I don't know the lo- I don't know the level of interest. Uh, I know this time around there was almost none because of the direction it went. I don't know the level of interest back when. Uh, in 2013, but when, if I, I heard USC had had an interest in him, and if they did, if that's true, um, and not because I'm a USC fan, just because we've done shows on what jobs are job you want, uh, he's silly if he didn't go after that job. And I'm not saying that even well, because of what happened. I mean, he he certainly looks that way now. Um, so. Uh, you know, maybe one of them career. No, moves. but come on, we've uh, talked about it, Chad. I mean, that's silliness. You don't stay at Texas A&M. And and spurn USC. You just don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe the USC job intimidated him. Maybe he felt like, it, hey, it, I'm not ready be, for but, USC. You know, you, you've seen a lot of facilities in the country, and I read an article of, uh, the yesterday ranking the facilities. Obviously, Oregon's was number one with all the money Nike throws into it. And a lot mm-hmm. of the SEC schools were up there. 
But uh, they had they had USC's in the top ten now because of the, what they've done with the you know McKay facility and just everything they've put into it. So I mean, he was getting great facilities. I don't know, but listen, it's it's that's water. Well, and listen, I've, figure- I've not been to Oregon. Okay, it's kind of yeah. out of the way from where I'm at. But I have been to USC and I have been to Alabama and LSU and uh, you know uh, Ohio State. Um, mm-hmm. USC's right there with them. You know, it's not necessarily Alabama, but man. The time you walk into that complex and it's marble tile everywhere, you you do feel like you're back in Greek times. So um, you yeah, know, they've got a lot of trophies not, on display, so that that usually helps yeah. too, right? <laughs> sure. No, yeah, and listen, they're, they're they're up there in terms of facilities. So I guess you can't be intimidated by that job. You know, you did take the Texas in. You were at Houston. You were following a, a, a nice little natural progression there. You know, so you were uh, at uh, Houston. You did a good job. You went to Texas A&M. You uh, performed above expectations. You should have taken the next step. Do you remember when Kirk Ferentz? Uh, who's had a great year with Iowa was a hot name. Uh, he was he was up for every NFL job. They were talking about him going other places, yep. and then he disappeared. I fear that that's what's going to happen with Sumlin. Well, you know what though, to to hit to point on him, let's stand friends for a second. He's another interesting uh, character. To his credit, I think he understood what he was, and maybe he's just happy, and that's okay. I mean, I think he, he also understood be... where he was. I'm in Iowa. Uh, I can stay here for a while. No one's going to push me out unless I'm a complete disaster. That's not that's the my case. Point. And, and I think he liked it the there. Case he in the be... SEC in Texas A&M. No, but he may be one of those guys. That, you know, same thing. You know, years, a couple of years ago, you made the point to your credit about Peterson, Chris Peterson, and we were mm-hmm. talking about the SEC job, and you said, "Well, he's just I don't. He doesn't strike me as an LA guy," and he may know. Exactly what he is, you know. He, he was in Idaho, and now he's up in the Great Northwest, and maybe that's where he belongs. I just, you know, and that's I give people credit. If you're happy and you know what you are, that's good. I just think, like you said, with Sumlin in the SEC, you're not hanging out there unless you're winning. I mean, that's just the way it is. They're not going to let you. I, go I think seven that's the five. biggest key. I think that's the biggest key to coaching is knowing what you are. You got to know exactly what you are, and then you can make the you make better moves in this whole coaching thing. Um, if you know that. I also know, though, uh, for most guys, for 85% of the guys in this coaching thing, uh, you better enter it with the whole mindset of being mobile or you're going to find yourself career. You're going to find your career going in the wrong direction fast. Don't come into Can anywhere. Can you say the Navy coach's name for me? Uh, no, don't want to. <laughs> okay, well, we'll call him Ken because he has a Polynesian name. Yes. Liam Tata, yes. whatever. Okay, sorry, Ken. Neapolitan, um, yes. I'm really confused that he didn't take the BYU job. Um, I think the BYU job's a pretty good job. It's a step up for mm-hmm. him. They play a really good schedule. Um, he, he's, he's got Navy to a point where they're ten and two and playing in a bowl game. I'm not sure if there's much. Uh, you that know, BYU thing's not for everybody, though. You know, there's a Mormon aspect to that thing. But that he is Mormon. That's the point. Um, you know, maybe, maybe though. You know, you could be Mormon. There are people out there that are Christians. Um, but you're not a hardcore practicing, you know what I mean? Maybe it's good for me to be yeah. saying this at Navy, and I could, you know, I could do that thing at Navy. But when I come to BYU, man, I gotta live that. I gotta be that 100. percent I gotta walk through the halls and be Mormon 24 hours a day. Who, who knows? We're only speculating here, but um, yeah, maybe, maybe he can't. Maybe he doesn't think he can go run the. His son is over playing at, at more. His son is playing at BYU, and he made the statement that he had a look at the job when it first came out because of his faith, which is why I don't understand 
here's the quote, BYU is something I need to look into because of my faith and the opportunity to coach my two sons. Ultimately, mm-hmm. I decided to stay at the Naval Academy because this is the best place for me and my family. We were at peace with the decision. So, I mean, I don't know. His sons played. Well, I, I, mean, I, I, I think his sons texted him and said, Dad, please. Don't, don't do this. Don't want you yeah. to coach us, Dad. You know, thanks. <laughs> thanks I for like time, you I like him. I like him. I just think us. that, you know, there's only so much a guy like him can do, you know, because of the limitations at Navy. I mean, I think they had a special year at Navy. This may be the best team. I mean, I'd have to look, but this may be the best Navy team they've had since Roger Staubach left, and I'm not saying that to be funny. If they win their bowl mm-hmm. game and finish 11-2, and two, you'll be hard-pressed, I don't, I don't think, in the last 50 years if we go back and look at it, that Navy had a better season than this season. No. No, and uh, and you know what? We didn't even really talk about this. That Army-Navy game was a good one. Uh, I remember as a kid always watching that game, and then, you know, as I got older, it kind of fell off. Uh, not something I made it a point to watch um, because I got out of the house more, I guess, would be part of it. But, yeah, uh, sure. I did. I did watch it this year. Um, and it was a great game. Not what people expected. They expected a Navy blow. And we ended up with a very good game. So it was good to see that. Um, but, you know, oh, someone's yeah, got to like, take that like, job, Emil, and it's not for everyone. That BYU job is only for a small handful of guys in the country. They may have a problem filling. Maybe. I, I mean, listen, two points. I love the Army-Navy game. Uh, I was going to ask you a question about that. Is that still a rivalry? Because, I mean, Navy's won 14 years in a row. You could say the game was close this year, but 14 wins in a row, it starts to be like, well, you know. I think there's still drama there just to see if Army can stop that streak. You know, I don't know that back and forth always always works. Just like I don't know that parity is a good thing. Um, I think sometimes dynasties make it interesting for everyone. Who will topple the big monster? But when you got different teams winning, all of them teams coming out of nowhere, I don't know that that's always a good thing. I'm not I'm not sold on that. I think dynasties make it interesting. Who will topple the big bad wolf? You know, well, I, I, think I've talked, I think I've talked to you over the years about the NFL, and I'll tell you right now, I I don't think parity is good for it at all, and I think it's playing out this year. Um, here, let's count them up. One, two, three, No, no, four, no, don't five. do that yet. Let's save, it, let, let's save that okay. for our NFL segment, which will be the final 20 minutes. We need to take a break. Okay, we'll, we'll get talk back. about we're gonna that talk, then. Yeah, we're going to talk college football still, and we're going to talk college bowls coming up. I think Amos got a couple of picks. I'm not ready yet, but I'll give you my thoughts on the bowl games that are coming up. Stick with us. We'll be right back right after this. Sure, summer's gone, winter's here, but that doesn't mean everyone's putting their t-shirts away. Whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, t-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen-printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, do the wording, whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper soul at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. 
By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at tshirtsupplies.com. That's T-Shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. That's 1-857-85-PAPER. T-Shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. O-M-G. Look at all of this paperwork. Are you a business owner and you're buried under a mountain of paperwork? You need an MVP on your team. And that MVP is MVP Business Concierge Services. They know that sometimes paperwork can get in between you and your customers. Why not spend the time doing what it is you do best? Getting new customers, handling the ones that you have now, and while you're doing that, you can have an MVP working for you. We know that tax season is the busiest time of the year for business owners. No more missing deadlines and getting IRS penalties for late filing. MVP Business Concierge Services will do all the hard work for you. They will streamline your payroll, streamline your finances, and have you on track. With trustworthy advisors that are very reliable, they will take the hard work away from you and get you back into what it is you're doing best. How do you get this MVP on your team? You call right now, 844-696-8722, 844-MY-MVP-CC, or send an email to info at mymvp.cc and get an MVP on your team today. here on a Friday exactly one week before Christmas hope you've been doing your shopping uh, but not right now you're listening to the Gridiron Stud Show it's the weekend preview show Chad Wilson and Emil Calamino here there's some bowl games coming up Emil that we need to talk about it's bowl season uh, the first of uh, 113 bowl games coming up here in the next few days and uh, we do need to talk some about that and, uh, did I your high school got team get invited by the way? Um, uh, we, we, we declined an invite <laughs> okay, into the good. Tupperware Bowl. We passed. Uh, but nevertheless, everyone and their mom gets into bowl games. I, you know, I think I need to look at this. Um, did we have some sub-500 teams? Yes. Oh, no, there's, into... there's Nebraska's in, San Jose State's in. There's, yeah, I think there's four or five of them if you count them up. Minnesota. You know what? Um, I'll do a little research while you talk to us about Arizona and New Mexico. Give me your thoughts on that. I've got some thoughts on it. Um, and while while you're telling the fans here, I'm going to just do a little research here for you. If this so, was a better Arizona opponent, New Mexico to New Mexico Bowl. If this was a, a true neutral field game and a better opponent, I I was tempted to take Arizona. I think they've had a disappointing season. Rodriguez is staying. Uh, you know, they had a good year the year before, and this year was not what they expected it to be. They finished six and six, but it's hard for me to 
think they're going to be exceptionally motivated in this game, which is the Gildan New Mexico Bowl. So since that's the name of it, I'm going to. By the way, Gildan uh, makes T-shirts. If it's the same Gildan I'm thinking yes. of, yes. Um, there's a tag. There's a tag on everyone's T-shirt. Does everyone has a Gildan in their closet somewhere? That's right. So it's. It, so I'm assuming the T-shirt bowl is in New Mexico, playing New Mexico. So I'm going to think that Arizona might not be exceptionally motivated here. The wind chill for the game is supposed to be about 39 degrees. Uh, so it's hard for me to make them uh, a pick here. Uh, I've got to think for New Mexico, it's a bigger deal playing at home, having a, a good season, seven and five, and, and maybe if they can get a, a scalp of a pack. Can I say that at the scalp? I mean, it's, it's a term. Am I allowed to say that? Get a, a scalp. Uh, who's stopping you? No one's stopping you. Okay. We're not, we're, uh, okay. we're not that if, big if, yet. Okay. Okay, if I can get this, if they can get the scalp of a Pac-12 team, uh, that would really make for New Mexico season. So if you probably force me now, talking it through, I pr- would probably take New Mexico. This line opened at 12 and has made its way down to seven and a half points, meaning a lot of money has come in hard on New Mexico. Yeah, uh, you know, history has told me, and uh, you know, I'm pretty good at the bulls. History has told me this is the kind of game where people get trapped. Because they are gonna, they're gonna use the logic that you're using on this, and and while it definitely applies to the later bowl games, bowl games like this is where people get caught. Yes, Arizona is not going to be very motivated for the New Mexico Bowl. Uh, yes, New Mexico is going to be very motivated for the New Mexico Bowl being played. I, I, I think it's probably in their stadium for crying out loud. Uh, they're going to be super motivated. But though at the end of the day, New Mexico is just not good enough to overcome an Arizona team that's simply better than them. So at some point, the athleticism, it is a game. You did warm up. You did break a sweat. You you will play football at some point. Maybe you don't start off the way you should. Um, but New Mexico comes out. They make a couple plays. They get happy. They point in your face. They sell you out. They say something about your mom. And then Arizona says, okay, all right, you, you, now you've done it. Now I'm mad. And uh, then they just start playing football. It'd be something for me if New Mexico played defense, but they they don't. Uh, right. And in their league, in their league, they give up 430 something yards a game, almost 200 yards rushing. And uh, once Arizona starts seeing the blood trickling down from their nose, they're gonna they're gonna get after it, and this will probably end up being a runaway at the end. You know, early on in this game, if you pick New Mexico, you're gonna be like, yes, yes, uh, yeah. They might even get like a 10 point lead in this game, and then uh, by the late third quarter, you're gonna be like, man, that's why you just don't pick teams like New Mexico. That's how I see this. So you see, going, so. you actually see the money coming in hard on New Mexico as a down too, because you just uh, as a downer because you just see too many people running with to, that to, logic. When it hate. falls yeah. yeah, when it falls this hard like this, I feel like maybe it started off with sharp betters and uh the public went the same way too. It wouldn't surprise me to see it maybe even go to seven and then and then the sharps come the other way with it. And then it goes back right. to the Right, well they can, a game like this they can actually middle the game. I mean you got guys who yeah, probably sure. grab New Mexico at twelve and if they can get Well Arizona it's actually at seven, you know yeah, let's without getting too betting technical here. It's it, this is an outstanding, awesome game. Matter of, historically, bowl games are great games for middling because you get a lot of line moves. 
Um, and this is one of them, 12 to 7.5. You can have a field day with that. And I just think ultimately Arizona uh, in the second half will, you know, uh, impose their will, kind of like, like you do on your young cousin in, in the bedroom when the rest of the family is in the, in the dining room. You just impose your will on the young guy. Uh, just to let him wait, know, you better be real wait clear. You mean year. wrestling? You mean wrestling? <laughs> yeah, wrestling. Wrestling, for God's sake. Where's your mind, pal? Uh, well, I mean, right, we are doing college ahead. football. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this next one's a good one, and this it's actually one where the uh, logic you used on that last one could come into play here, though uh, the line's too small for me. I was gonna go. I was I was all prepared. Without you know, here's what I do in bowl season. I don't look at the lines right away. Um, I try and look at the matchups, and I delay looking at the lines as long as possible. Sometimes I even come up with my own line for the game, and I did that this year. And, you know, I think that's probably a good thing that I'll do here. I'll share the line that I came up with because I didn't look at any lines. I went through, looked at the matchups, and came up with my own line. The line I came up with for the game we just spoke about with Arizona and New Mexico was Arizona by 12, and it's 7.5. And And the the line I came up with for this game was Utah by 5, and it's only 2.5. So, not I was enough for me to jump six. on BYU. I was going to say six, and here's my problem. I was amazingly here. close to Amel with, to the Vegas line on all of these bowl games I came up with lines for. I was surprised at how close I came. I should head to Vegas and just be a lines. Well, player. you look at this um, stuff long enough, and it's the truth. But in this game, um, you know, with the injuries they've had over the course of the season between the running backs and quarterbacks at BYU, it's amazing they've had the season they've had. Uh, they're nine and three now. Granted, they they had some very uh, <clears throat> let's use the word fortuitous wins early in the season mm-hmm. against Nebraska mm-hmm. and Boise State, but they were in the win column. So for them to be nine and three this year is amazing. Um, Utah comes in with the same record. I, I'm hard pressed to pick a side here because the obvious play is hey BYU's coach is leaving for Virginia. Uh, you know they don't care. They're not prepared. But that seems a little too easy. Um, I, I don't know what what direction to go with Utah because I'm not real high on their quarterback play, especially with the running back Booker out. What I will tell you in this game that I like is if I was playing it, I'd play under. Um, mm. 51 is the number right now. I, I think this game is going to be more of a, uh, a defensive struggle. I really do. I don't think they're going to light the scoreboard up here. Uh, you might be right. Uh, I I did like. BYU in this thing initially until until I saw the line being so small. I just think Utah was up for something. They were up for something really big for a good part of this year. People, you know, were putting them in the in the in the playoff and all that. And then now uh, they've slid themselves all the way down to playing in the second bowl game of the season. I think uh, they'll the motivation will be gone there, but. Uh, they may have but gotten motivated. Don't you think that, that, that it was early enough? I mean, Utah. It's not like they lost the last game of the season. I mean, USC took them behind the woodshed middle of the season. I think from that point forward, everybody realized that whatever happened up in Oregon that day, uh, when they beat Oregon sixty-three to twenty, was basically uh, you know an outlier. Because I, you know, I think. I, think I don't know that happened. they've gotten over the disappointment, though, Emil. I mean, look how they finished off the season. They lost at Arizona. They lost at UCLA, really couldn't put up any points, and then they struggled to beat Colorado. I just think um, the dog yeah, got hit in the street, and they, could, they, they just haven't recovered. Whereas uh, BYU closed out pretty damn good, putting up back-to-back 50 points. I mean, these two teams closed things out differently. Now, Utah is going to be motivated to play BYU. Um because it's BYU, just how motivated, I don't know. And BYU finished that season up pretty damn strong. So, well, and that's I, why I, I like the under in this game. I see a lot of uh, sloppy play 
in some in some cases. Uh, in Utah's case, you know, removing Booker is huge for their offense. In BYU's case, you know, they, they've had injuries themselves. I think the defenses will come out in this game. These teams don't like each other. It's referred to as the holy war. Uh, you know, so there's you know there's that that motivation. I think this is going to be one of those, as John Madden used to say, a slobber knocker. <laughs> yeah, um, for some reason, uh, Emil, we're uh, moving on to the next game. For some reason, we've got Ohio and Appalachian State playing. I got a pick on this game. For some reason, I've got a pick on it. Well, good because now because now, I absolutely had no interest uh, in this game whatsoever. Do you want me to give you my pick? You, Can I tell you? Since you've been so kind. Uh, you want me to tell you what I think about this game, or do you want yeah, me ahead, to tell first. you what I think about your pick? Um, I didn't even make a line on this game because, admittedly, I've not seen Ohio play one quarter of football, and you know I haven't seen Appalachian State play. That's for damn sure. So um, just the fact that a school like App State, who is not in the general consciousness of anyone, is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite in this game, um, leads me to believe they, they may might be pretty damn good. Um, and whereas someone might quicker recognize Ohio, the fact that the odds makers have decided to make them seven and a half point favors in this game does it all for me. So I would back App State in this one. They must be they must be something fierce. That's just the logic I'm implying on this one. So uh, where where are you going with it? Uh, well, you know, App- Appalachian State comes in. If pe- and for people who you know don't know the school, you know these were the, the, they were a powerhouse at the FCS level for a long time, right? 1AA as we as, as us older guys yeah. refer to it. Sure. Uh and you know, they they moved into the Sun Belt Conference, which is, you know, we we see a lot of Sun Belt during the week, yeah, for people who mm-hmm. watch college football. They go in there and uh, they they finish second in the conference. You know, they 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 finish 10 and 2, 7 and 1 in the conference. Arkansas State goes undefeated in that conference. I had talked about them a little earlier. Now, for those of you who don't know Arkansas State, who beat Appalachian. Arkansas State had three losses on the season. USC, Missouri from the Southeast Conference, and an excellent Toledo team uh, from the MAC. So Missouri, Arkansas State's a real deal. They're 9-3. and three. They beat Appalachian. Now Appalachian's only other loss, Clemson. I look mm-hmm. at this game, and I see a team that they want to prove themselves. Okay, They're in now finally with the big boys. They're in 1A football. They're going to a bowl game. And maybe Ohio isn't a big name, but people recognize Ohio, like you said. I, I think mm-hmm. Appalachian State will wipe the field with Ohio in this game. Good Lord. I'll lay the seven you and a half. just think it's blowout city, huh? I, I, I think you're going to get a very motivated team. By the way, Appalachian State outgains their opponents by over 150 yards a game. Defensively, they only give up 318 yards a game and 18 points. So they're interested in defense, which which already excites me. Um, so I, I'm, I'm on Appalachian State in this game. Yeah, well, uh, so so apparently you agree with the logic that I have uh, somewhat with uh, that I've deployed here. I just look at yes. this line and say App State, really that that many? Somebody knows something that that, that I clearly don't. So that's where we're rolling with that one. The next one we've got is oh, this is a big time game. It's San Jose State and Georgia State. I've been waiting all year for, for this one. Oh, it's the Cure I Bowl. can't even venture. Listen, I can't venture a guess. San Jose State comes into this game five and seven. Georgia State from that same Sun Belt Conference is six and six. Um, should we waste valuable airtime uh, even discussing this? I'm not sure anybody listening to this show at this point cares about the San Jose State Georgia State game. Oh well, you know uh, San Jose State. The only reason I'm uh, um, you know interested in this game at all, uh, first of all, I just think it's awesome <laughs> that a bowl such as this is called the 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 Cure Bowl. 
because um, you need to be cured of something. If yes. uh, you sit here and watch, <laughs> you watch the yes. whole damn game. Um, so I just love the name of this bowl. I think someone out there is, is uh, playing with us. But no, in, in all seriousness, I I love the San Jose State running back Tyler Irvin. Uh, he is super dynamic. So for this reason, I'm gonna give you homework. Amal, I'm going to tell you to watch this bowl game and watch that kid and tell me what you think of him. Super explosive. Oh, I've seen the San Jose uh, State running back. He's dynamite. Oh, no. You, you know I'm up late not, on He's Saturday the kind of kid. Yeah, he's yeah, the he's kind dynamite. of kid that you would see at USC, to be quite honest with you. Um, oh, no. He's, he's the kind yeah, of running back. He's a player. No, he's a player. Uh, how do you no, get out of him. there? How do you end up at, 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 uh, at San Jose? I'd love to know. I think I'm going to do a little bit of research on that. He is a smaller guy. He's, I think he's 175, 180 pounds. But there isn't a more explosive back in the country. I watched him against Auburn. Um, and I think the week before the Auburn game, he he rushed for a stupid amount, 300 plus yards in the yeah. game. So I'm very, I'm gonna watch the game because of him because I don't get to see him much, um, and and you know I wanna I wanna check this kid out. Uh, I had I had this line actually at uh, San Jose State at minus three, um, and the line currently is two and a half. It opened at five. You know what, man? Um, Georgia State probably you're probably come away to winner in this thing i don't know uh it's anyone's guess san jose state's a five and seven football team playing in that conference they can't be that good i you know so i think georgia state wins it i think tyler Irvin really puts a stamp on things though and uh puts his name out there probably has a big game and they end up losing anyway so it's as far as I'm. and, and i to told you the next one. game i'm actually interested in seeing i think there's a you know you know you got two decent mid-tier programs here you got louisiana tech uh coming in at eight and four and they're playing a 9-3 and three Arkansas State team that I talked about a little bit earlier. And Arkansas State, you know, if you haven't seen them play, they score a lot of points, and they're a good football team. Uh, they play a very good out-of-conference schedule. I-, I like this game. I think the line is, I think, the wrong way in the game. I almost made this a pick. Uh, because Driscoll plays for Louisiana Tech, people know he's a Florida transfer. They score some points there. Um, they're favored by a couple but they also, you know, they didn't finish the year. I mean, Southern Miss just whacked them at the end of the year, uh, 58-24. And if you go through their schedule, uh, they don't seem real interested at certain points in the season in defense. And uh, if you're not interested in defense against Arkansas State, you're going to give up a lot of points. Uh, yeah, I for some reason didn't didn't you know make a line on this game before I saw it, so I don't have anything to work off of that. I do know this. Arkansas State for years has put together um they've they've had as good an offense as anyone in college football. Uh now mind you, obviously they're not playing against the big boys every week, but when you look at it, Amol, here's their last six games rushing totals. Three forty three, two thirty eight, one forty eight, three oh nine, two ninety six, and three oh six. And you could say, Oh well, they must be one of these option teams like uh, you know, a Georgia Southern that goes out and uh, all they do is run the ball like Navy or something. Not True, because over that span, they had two 300-yard passing games and two 200-yard passing games. Arkansas State does offense. Arkansas State knows how to run the football. And then let me tell you this as well. Let me, let me, let me just read this off for you. This is astounding. The turnovers they've forced over the last six games, three, four, five, two, and two. That's, that's outstanding. Amel. I mean, yep. they're averaging three and a half. I think it isn't luck when you take it away at that clip either. I mean, you're doing something. The last three games of the season, they forced 12 turnovers. Behind them running the ball like this, uh, and also being balanced enough to throw it when they need to, and what they do on defense, turning the ball over, I just there's no way 
Arkansas State's losing this game. I really should have made this a pick now that I'm looking at it. This now, that you, now that you uh, talked your way through, I, I listen. I, I feel talked like myself you do. into it. Yeah, I'm almost sad I didn't game. make it. And they're a pick. an un, and they're an underdog. Well, you can make it a pick, here. Chad. Do you want it on the sheet as a pick? Can I phone a friend? Sure. No, I'm going to throw it. I'll last. I'm going <laughs> to throw it on there. You know why? You know why I'm going to throw it on there as a pick? And well, it's because. Uh, I love defense and I love I love running the ball. I, lo- I love a good rushing game. Um, I love a balanced offense. Let me not say that because I'm not one of these guys that want to watch an option attack and someone run the ball all day. I love teams that can uh, can run the ball and pass the ball with equal efficiency. So you know what? Go ahead, throw Chad it on my and I have, uh, I, I, We've I'm given you two bowl picks. My first official bowl pick will be Appalachian State minus the seven and a half. And from the same conference, Chad is taking Arkansas State plus two in these games tomorrow. And by the way, that's another thing that impressed the hell out of me about Arkansas State. They were a 12-and-a-half-point closing line underdog at Appalachian State in that game in early November, which essentially mm-hmm. decided their conference title. They won outright mm-hmm. by 13. And I talked about what I think of Appalachian State. So that tells me something about about this team, Arkansas State. The, the yeah, I'm, character. Uh, I'm, I'm an Archie State fan uh, tomorrow night, so I'm going to roll with them at nine o'clock. I got to watch the, you know, I was going to watch anyway, just for uh, the Driscoll yeah. factor, so I could see. Uh, hopefully, it does well because I just want to let Florida fans who killed him while he was here. I just want to let them have it a little bit because I think the kid got a raw deal when he was here. But damn it, when I look at what Arkansas State's doing, Driscoll's sure to throw two or three picks in this game because somehow, some way, they force turnovers. So uh, yes, we've got that one. We got to move along. Uh, we got a couple more coming here. There's one uh, not too far from my house. I'm, you know, I may even attend this game. Possibly, maybe. It's the Miami Beach Bowl, baby. Uh, last year, this game uh, ended in a, a brawl. <laughs> Between, uh, you should have known Memphis was going to be something this year. Uh, just how they went out in, in this bowl game last year, they went out throwing punches, um, and and uh, that's how the that's how the inaugural Miami Beach ball kicked off uh, last year with uh, punches and fisticuffs. I want to say, was, yes. was it BYU in Memphis? Uh, I think it was. Was that who it was? I mean, yeah, the I Mormons seemed, yeah, were throwing down. Yes, they were. They were they were thrown down a little bit. Do you see what happens here? Mormons come down to Miami Beach and and lose their religion. That's what goes on no, down every, here. Okay, everybody does. <laughs> everybody comes down so there and loses. Not even something. Mormons can act right. That's why I'm telling you, in free agency for the NFL, you got to get the right person in here, and you got to get the right coach to come down here and coach the uh, local universities. Uh, all right. Nevertheless, in this contest. We've got South Florida. Uh, uh, good job by the Miami Beach Bowl getting someone from in-state into this thing against Western Kentucky, who's quarterback by a kid who is who played his high school football locally down here. And if you don't know who he is, he's uh, one of, if not the top passer in uh, all of college football. And by the name of Brandon Doughty, is a, a coming home of sorts for him. Um, he, he they light it up, man. And uh, South Florida has done an outstanding job, Emil, because I think both you and I may have discussed this. Uh, Willie Taggart was on a serious hot seat. Uh, I was pretty sure he was out of there this year. Kudos to him um, and the South Florida Bulls, you know, putting together an 8-4 and four season. Uh, and you got to love the way that they closed out. The way they closed out makes this thing very difficult to pick. Um, but I'm a little concerned about them going up against this passing offense. Uh, I put this line at... Western Kentucky is six. It's two and a half currently. 
And uh, I don't have a pick on this game. I'm kind of leaning to Western Kentucky, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, Western Kentucky early in the season had had quite a few close calls. I mean, they they went and they beat they pushed a game against Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt, which tells me you say hey, it's Vanderbilt. It's an SEC team. Mm-hmm. They went there and they won the game 14-12. Uh, mm-hmm. Then they were in conference against Louisiana Tech, a team we just talked about in a bowl game, beat them by three. Then they lose a three-pointer at Indiana, which if you've watched Indiana this year, they took a lot of teams at home down to the wire, including Ohio State and Michigan. So I, mm-hmm. I'm kind of impressed with their schedule. The only other loss there is LSU in the middle of October on the road. Uh, they hammered Southern Miss to end the year. They hammered Marshall. To me, it's hard to go against Western Kentucky in this game because they're 11-2. and two. They're playing for something big. I mean, for them, hey, mm-hmm. for anybody – Hell, twelve win nice season. season. Yeah, that's good. A nice yeah, season. good grief. That's that's big yeah, time. So, I mean, South Florida's got so much money in the bank, uh, they could actually afford to lose this game, and no one's yeah. going to be thinking about, oh man, we got to go pack our boxes and, and uh and get up out of here. You know what I mean? They've 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 done enough this season to feel uh, a little comfortable, and uh, you know they did close out the year with some blowout wins. I just you know the way Western Kentucky with that passing game keeps pressure on you. I mean, they were behind against Southern Miss. I mean, they were behind yes. and uh, and then came out and rolled up a bunch of points out of nowhere. They know how to seize momentum and flip it the other way like uh, no other team I've seen. And I think they're just going to continue to keep the pressure on South Florida. And when you're talking about two and a half points, all they got to do is win this game. And so I'm going to kind of lean to Western Kentucky Yeah, me on too. This. Yeah, I would make this a lean. Again, it's hard for me to make it a pick only because of the fact that South Florida really didn't close the season impressively with some wins against Temple and other schools. And, you know, they're out of a better conference. So, um, you know, I'm going to not make it a pick, but I would definitely lean uh, Western Kentucky here. A couple more coming up here. Akron and Utah State, um, you know, as is is happening more and more with each passing year, uh, as I'm in coached and involved in, you know, coaching kids at the high school level, I have interest in this game. A kid that played running back for us is running back at Utah State. So I'll be watching this game. I did have Utah State as a four-point favorite on my line. Um, it ends up that they started at seven or six and a half, and uh, I think it's a little too steep for Utah State. Uh, they kind of underperformed this year at six and six, and uh, I think Akron is uh, going to come in here full of full of muster and fire, feeling good off that twenty to nothing shutout to end the year. And I think uh, if they don't win this game, at least they keep it close. This might be a field goal game, in which case, uh, you know, point spread wise, I like Akron. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think it's a little fat that line. Yeah, and I guess that's all that needs to be said. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's really not much to say about the game. I think you hit everything on the head. I think that if you look at the game, you know, it wasn't a great season for Utah State. I mean, they've been playing better than this the last couple of years, and you know, they come into this game for Akron. You know, hey, it's a bowl game. You know, Akron's played a, a, a decent schedule, a lot of conference. Uh, six and a half points just seems like a lot. I mean, you know, they played Oklahoma, they played Pittsburgh, you know, so so they've been in there with some of the, you know, the more talented clubs in the country, and they go here, kind of stepping down in class in a, in a way. I, th- I think they can they can hang in this game. Yep, Toledo taking on Temple. Uh, I had a line of seven for Temple in this one. I think it's only one and a half in this contest. I think Temple is still being dogged by their history. Uh, Temple is Temple. People still looking at it that way. This is a pretty damn good football team this year, Emil. And, uh, I mean, they lost again. They did lose their final game of the season, so that motivates them in this one, I believe. Uh, they're sitting there with a 10-win season. They can go for an 11-win season. They do play They do play 
some pretty good defense, and I think this is a team that's worthy of being a favorite. And uh, I don't think they lose anything in terms of uh, emotion by being that. And I just happen to think they're the better team who's been better tested in this season. They played Houston. Yes, they lost. Uh, They played the tough South Florida team that we just talked about, and they lost there. That was a road game. And then, man, they were right there neck and neck with Notre Dame. And I think when you play that kind of game in your temple and you say to yourself, man, we really had a chance to beat a team that was thinking about being in the college football playoff, there's a certain measure of confidence that you have there that I think they could bring into this game. And, um Probably be enough to beat Toledo, and I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up being by double digits, 10, 11 points or something like that. Yeah, I think Toledo is one of those teams where actually as the season wore wore along, I mean, they're, they're, they had a nice season. They were 9-2, and two, but I think they actually didn't improve much. They came out of the gate uh, with that big win against Arkansas on the road, opened some eyes in the SEC, and then they went you know, into, into play Big 12, a Big 12 doormat, Iowa State, won the game. And then they beat mm-hmm. that Arkansas State team that you and I talked about. And to me, this was an impressive win. They were a four-point favorite. Mm-hmm. They beat them 37-7. to seven. And uh, mm-hmm. the, the seven, holding Arkansas State to seven, is very impressive. But then as the mm-hmm. season wore along, you, you, know, you know, they lost as a favorite at home against Northern Illinois. And then they lost as a favorite at home against Western Michigan. So I, I think the season probably didn't end up the way they expected based on how it started. And they may not be ready to match Temple's intensity in this game. Because Temple yeah, will play uh, hard. Sure, sure. And, and even though these lines are that way off, uh, there must be something there because I was scared to make this a pick. So I'm going to stick with whatever spooked me there at first. And uh, I'm not going to run with Temple as a solid pick on this one. But I am going to uh, lean in their direction. So that's how I feel about that, the Boca Raton Bowl. Uh, we got bowls in Miami Beach and Boca Raton on there. We've become a, a hotbed, I guess. We're going to fill all right. these stadiums with bowl games That's down the Boca here in South Raton Florida. Bowl. There you go. Yeah, they're the big one, the big Boca And then there's a Bahama Bowl coming up. Do you remember what that looked like last year? There was 11 people in attendance. Yeah. And it ended up having friend. the wildest ending of any bowl game. So many yeah, thousands of people missed out. Game. Yeah. Oh, damn, our friends and families didn't even make it to that one. we got to come up with a different name for that one because I swear yeah, 11 true. people in attendance in that game. It was sad. It should have been the sad bowl. But nevertheless, uh, we're out of here on in terms of college football. That's uh, where we're at. Uh, we're back on again on Wednesday, so we will have more bowl games then. But don't go anywhere. We're not leaving yet for today. There's an NFL weekend coming up, and uh, Emil and I are going to get you ready for that, and we're going to have our picks. We know you guys are waiting for that because we're just killing it. Aren't we, Emil? We're just killing it in the National Football League. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. NFL talk coming up right after this. Yeah. Yeah. Halloween. Tyler Bear. Tyler Bear. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payout. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, 
they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Are you a property owner or want to be one, but you don't have time for property management? Then get an MVP on your team. Who has time for the letting process, for arranging inventories and organizing pre-tenancy cleaning, dealing with deposit negotiation, and negotiating with service suppliers and maintenance? No one's got time for that. MVP does, though. Get this MVP on your team. You can rely on MVP Property Management to offer you an extreme amount of quality and professional services for your money. And because they know that everyone is different, they pride themselves in providing a professionalized service to each and every one of their clients. So how do you get this MVP on your team? It's simple. Pick up the phone and call right now. 844-696-8722. That's 844-MY-MVP-CC. Or send an email to info at mymvp.cc. Get this MVP on your team and start winning today. Guys will wake you up. ACDC fan, Emil? I'm trying to gauge. Uh, uh, I do I, like I mean, ACDC. You, that's that's right, my genre. You know, that's my time frame, my genre, as they say. That's my, your time whatever. frame. I mean, tell, tell yeah. me what else you listen to. I was wondering, like, uh, is this guy a Sinatra guy? Nope. I like Sinatra. I like you too. I like the Counting Crows. I like, I like a lot of stuff. Actually, you know, some of the stuff that my, my daughter listens to at 18, that mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know who sings it, but I'll be like, I like that song. Who sings it? She'll tell me. I'll forget. But you know, I like some of the stuff today. I, I'm not like one of these old guys. That says, oh, this stuff all sucks. No. Uh, I find I like Sinatra more uh, around this time of year. You know, Sinatra's good for this time of year. I'm a New Yorker, so uh, gotta love Sinatra. You know, black, white, Hispanic. You're gonna like Sinatra if you spent your time in uh, New York City, especially if you sp- had some uh, New York City Christmases. So. Um, yeah, you know, I'm a Sinatra there's certain guy, atmospheres you, know. you have to admit that Sinatra. You know, if you're in a restaurant and you know you're having a nice dinner and watching white fellas, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that type you deal. You gotta yeah. have Sinatra's some Sinatra always... playing in the background. Yeah, you gotta have Sinatra uh, playing when the guy's getting whacked and his head bashed <laughs> in by uh, Pesci or De Niro. Just does go so well with it. <laughs> gotta love that. All right, uh, NFL's on on tap. Talking about what, what you know what I went through something here and I did post this on Twitter. Here's the sad fact, okay? All right, we were talking about parody earlier, 
And uh, I'm not sold on that being uh, a good thing for the NFL. Maybe someone in the offices thought, man, wouldn't it be great if a different team won every year? Someone came up with that and failed to realize that sometimes there's just uh, an interest in being uh, – there's there's an interesting thing in losing every year um, and not being able to knock off the big bad wolf. Um, and to that, it, along those lines, we have exactly one game this weekend, Amo, featuring two winning teams. Broncos taking on the Steelers is the only game we've got on a slate this weekend that has that features two teams with winning records. Well, this is where that you stopped to me before, rightfully so. Good 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 production call. And do you know why hmm. that would be? Because it's very hard to get two winning teams on the field when you have 32 teams and only 11 have a winning record. That's disgusting. Think about what I just said. I don't, 30% I don't think of the I like that. has a winning record. 30%. That's ridiculous. I think, I think, Emil, I would prefer if you had pretty much the same teams winning every year. Each year you had one team or maybe even two teams that snuck in there and put something together and knocked off of one of the big bad wolves, or even went all the way to the end and beat the big bad bully at the you know like at the end of the video game, like the big character comes out at the end and you got to kill him to win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the league would be better off with that. I'm not sure what the NFL is doing. Is it that what baseball right essentially has? By and large, every year, you know, you, you, the Yankees, the Red Sox are going to be sniffing around the Dodgers. The well, people Giants, criticize the that though. Let's. Let's not be morons. Let's not be idiots, and let's not forget history. People have criticized that about baseball. But in seeing the NFL go this whole parody route and baseball stay where they are, I think I'd much rather have that, even if but it's not my team. Now, it's let easy me for me to they say They have that the model baseball. that you want. They have the model you want. They have the same team sniffing around every year. What I was saying is, you know, you've got in the National mm-hmm. League the Giants, the Cardinals, the Dodgers – the American League, you've got the Yankees, the Red Sox, uh, the, the Angels. But guess what? Every year, last year the Royals and the Mets were sniffing around so much so they made the World Series. The year before, the Royals were still sniffing around. I mean, you get teams, Arizona beating the Yankees in the World Series. My, my point is, baseball kind of goes by that model. You're, you're going to have certain franchises that are despised because they're always playing well and at the top of their division. But then you always have one or two teams that comes up that year, whether it's the Pirates or now the Cubs and and they're and the, and the Mets, they're ready to knock them off. And that's I think it's a better model. I think it's interesting. It gives you somebody to hate. What makes baseball for me good is, you know, I can pick a team I don't like and watch them and, and just root against them. I don't care. Yeah, I think there's some value in the hated Patriots and the hated Tom Brady winning it and getting to the end and pissing people off. Uh, listen, stirring emotion. Uh, works in in this society. It works in this country. And if you know, if if one year you've got uh, some lowly team winning it, then another year they're replaced by another lowly team, and that's the rotation that goes. And then once every six seven years, uh, you know, the Cowboys come in there and win it. I don't know that that evokes enough emotion from people. Um, I think there's something to be said for. Um, having hope, and then having it dashed at the end by certain fan bases. I, I don't know if this is a good thing. Well, here's why I, I would how... think. Here's why I say your model doesn't work for what the NFL wants today. Mm-hmm. That model works very well when, you're, when your fan base is essentially a hardcore fan base, and that's really what baseball is. Baseball mm-hmm. fans, I mean, baseball, 85, I think 85 million people saw games live last year, okay, but baseball fans 
are hardcore, and you know that growing up in New York. Baseball fans that really love baseball, they follow the sport now. They're looking at trades. They love the sport, okay? There's not a lot of what I'll call casual baseball fans because rotisserie baseball is hard to do. It's not like fantasy football. you you got to really pay attention. Mm-hmm. It's too much, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Football is not looking for hardcore fans anymore. We're doing a show about football. They know guys like us are watching the NFL. They're looking for the casual fan, and, in, and the casual fan – they don't care if 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 there's 21 losing teams. They don't care if their team makes the playoffs and they're seven and nine. They just want to be able to say, "My team's in the playoffs." I'm just I'm telling you, that's my theory. Yeah, they don't really care um, in the NFL. I just I man, Amal, I just feel like the NFL chasing the casual fan might end up being the death of it. And by the death of it, I mean, look, football's not going to go anywhere. I just think it might slide out of that top popularity spot at some point because of their chasing of the casual fan. Look at the damage that it's done already. It's watered down the product. The game has gotten soft. Um, you've got all this off-the-field stuff be, becoming uh, just as important as the on-the-field stuff. It's just – and all that, I think, is a, as a result of chasing the, the Bravo Channel people, um, trying to get the people off of Home Shopping Network and not really catering to the hardcore fans who would watch a 24 hours of, of NFL football. And I, I just don't know that that is the, uh, r- the route that they should be going. But you know what? The toothpaste, as they say, is already out of the tube. So I don't know how you reverse parody. Um, I don't know how you go back to where you were. I, I just think this is what it is going forward. Let me ask you this. You're on, social, you're on social media as far as Twitter a lot. I know that, and I follow you on there, mm-hmm. but I don't really do as much you know, as you. I do mm-hmm. put out stuff on Facebook where people get in conversations, and I know a lot of guys, you know, because I'm 47, guys over the age of 35, you know, from, say, 35 to, say, 70. And I'll throw out mm-hmm. stuff, honestly, there's – I watch NFL more out of I feel like I have an obligation to watch it to do this show and actually be able to talk about stuff I watch. But I'll be honest, if I didn't do this show with you, I wouldn't watch as much of it. And I, I'll say stuff like that once in a while on Facebook, and I'll have guys chiming in saying, oh, I, I barely watch it anymore. You know, I love this, I love college, I mm-hmm. love high school, but I, I don't watch it. I, you know, I don't know if that's just anecdotal and the numbers don't support it, but I wonder what happens if this fantasy football becomes completely outlawed. And you can't oh, do I, it. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think it's totally being fueled. Um, you know, more than half of the interest is being fueled by fantasy football, um, being fueled by, you know, betting on it. Um, it's the only way to be interested in some of these games that I'm looking at when the six and seven Bills are going to travel to the six and seven Redskins. You know, uh, when when the six and seven Falcons are taking on the five and eight Jaguars, where the six and seven Texans are taking on the six and seven Colts. How, how are you getting jacked up about that? And you know, you by the way, have let me a play devil's advocate. There's somebody sitting out there next to a, a computer or their phone listening to this right now, saying, "Well, wait a second. Uh, you can gamble on college games. Let me explain the difference." The casual fan cannot bet college football for the most part because there's 126 or 128 Division One teams. If you're not following mm-hmm. college football, it's very hard most Saturdays unless it's a marquee game and Alabama's mm-hmm. playing Texas or USC or something, you know all the, the players involved. It's very mm-hmm. hard to pick up a paper on Friday, look at a, a slate of 70 college football games or 60 or whatever there is that day, and start picking games if you don't follow it because you just don't know who's hurt, you don't know who's playing. You, there, there's not enough large, information. What do those college bettors do, man? They're they're betting on their 
their team. You know, they're so hardcore wrapped into their school uh, that that's what they end up doing. That's why Vegas makes so much money. Correct. They, they get emotionally the NFL, though, wrapped is into different, their though, And that's where I'm going with this. Most weeks in the NFL, when they, they, they have bye weeks throughout the middle of the season. So you've only got 14 games, okay? One's on a Thursday, one's on a Monday night. So you got 12 on a Sunday. A, a guy can go to lunch on Friday, not be what you would call a hardcore football fan. Pick up the New York Post or the Philadelphia Inquirer or wherever he is, the L.A. Times. Read the lines. Read some articles. Pick two or three teams. Put put a couple bucks on it and go to the sports bar with his buddies and watch the game on Sunday. Not really caring who wins other than he has some action on the games. It's the easiest sport to bet for people between fantasy and picking teams. It's the easiest. I don't mean in terms of winning. I mean, obviously, we'll prove that in our next, as we go through the games. But yeah, what I mean by yeah, uh, you don't need to follow more and more it. Difficult. Yeah. Yes. It's become more and more difficult to win at this thing, and I really think that that's fueling. Uh, it's fueling the game right now. It's fueling the interest in the game because listen to those games I just read off, man. Who's getting hyped up about that? Who's getting hyped up about the five and eight Dolphins traveling to the three and ten Chargers? Now well, you might get hyped up. Point. You might get hyped up now. Would you not get more hyped up if the four and eight Dolphins were going to play the ten and three Chargers? That might be a little Maybe. bit more interesting. But both of these well, guys suck. And I could make a point that I said to you the other day. I think we were texting or whatever. I said, our records are funny this year, but I have the records we've done the show for four years, and we've always been pretty good at the NFL. And I think part of it, not making excuses, is if you watch these games, most of them are decided in the fourth quarter, in the last mm-hmm. six minutes, by a bounce mm-hmm. or a call. Mm-hmm. The, well, let me put it this way. I hate, I hate using the words against my personality. Because I believe a lot of times in life you do make your own luck. But a lot of these mm-hmm. games I watch, there is a lot of luck involved in who wins at the end of these games. And I, I mean, yeah, I hate to yeah. say that. I mean, there really is. You watch it, it'll but be a you know, call. But, you know, on the surface, on the surface, you would say, oh, well, that should be a good thing. There's drama all the way down to the end. But then you got drama between two teams not going anywhere. I mean, you didn't care in the first place. Who the hell cares? If the Chargers get a late drive to kick a field goal to beat the three and ten Chargers get a late field goal to beat the Dolphins who are going nowhere this year, neither one of these teams. Well, I'm going to so, be out a little bit on Saturday night. I have a couple Christmas parties. If it's on, I'll watch it. Now you know I'm a I'm a Cowboys fan as long as since I'm six. I'm not sitting in front of my TV and watching that whole game Saturday. I'm just telling you, I'm not. Now if the, if the, if there was some meaning to the game, sure I would. But I'm not sitting there to watch a four and nine Cowboys team play. Yeah, uh, and especially not against the Jets. You know what no, I mean? I don't care. Uh, so, so the Eagles, there you I'd go. be more interested. Yeah. Sure, because it's a divisional matchup, but uh, we could go yeah. on and on, and we would look like uh, and Let's sound talk like about the that two game. old it's the first men. one on the board. Do you have a pick on it? Well, you I know, I, I prefer that we throw our picks out there first, and then we jump into all these okay. uh, these, we could do that. These, these other great, solid matchups that the NFL is throwing our way this weekend. You know, here's my MO, and I go first in the NFL because, um, you know, uh, allegedly I am the, the lesser of the two in the NFL, but we're both sucking serious wind <laughs> making these games, as you said. Um, yes. Here's my motto. Uh, and it's going to become very apparent to you and all the listeners. I'm just picking good teams. All right. I'm just right. going to go with the good teams. And uh, on that um, on that note, I'm going to back the Patriots in this one. They're double-digit favorites. It's I, It goes against everything that I believe in. I don't really like laying double digits in, in just in general, uh, especially in NFL games. But what I have stuck to and thought 
for years has uh, absolutely betrayed me all year long, so it's time for me to get off of that and change my wretched ways. And I'm going to back the Patriots at home against the Tennessee Titans. We've long talked about the Tennessee Titans being uh, the team of absolute no-names. Um, we can name Marietta and maybe one else, and then we're done. Doriel Green Beckham, I, I know him because he just looks like a complete monster out there. Uh, I watched the Patriots last week. I think they got over uh, – you know how you get sick and you're home from school for a few days? Yes. Um I th- I think their few days is up. They're back to school and they're and they're back in there and they're studying. They didn't play their best game last week and they still hung a 27-6 win um a beating on the Houston Texans in in Houston. So coming back home against another drip drop who just lost 30 to 8 and is playing back-to-back road games. I'm going to roll with the Patriots here. They need to get, like I said, they need to get back well. Um, and uh, this is how they do it. They, sh- they showed signs of heading in that direction last week. So I'm going to roll with them and uh, say they continue that effort this week against Tennessee. Uh, they've got okay. reasons to play play well and play right. Uh, Carolina Panthers, this game opened up as six, and for some reason it's dropped an entire point and a half against the New York Giants. I guess everyone feels like this is the Giants' time of year. Maybe some folks out there think the Panthers might not play as hard, might sit guys. They haven't locked up that number one spot yet in, in the NFC. Uh, am I correct? I think they, they haven't secured they still, that. They so. still have to win another game. Yeah, so there's plenty of reason for them to play hard in this game. Um, historically, I don't like laying digits uh, on the road with a team who has is coming off of a shutout. But again, what I have believed for years has meant nothing this season. So I'm going to go against myself on that and say, why not go beat the hell out the Giants? Who's hotter than the Carolina Panthers right now? I told I told you on Monday they can win a high-scoring game, as they did against New Orleans, 41-38, or they can get down and dirty with you and win a 14-10 game. And the Giants, um, I think they got their win already for the week. I was there. I watched it. It was Monday. They got a win for the week. They're not getting two in one week. Sorry. No, and the other thing I week. like about that game, by the way, and I almost made it a pick myself, um, I, I really think that that kid Norman – can at least slow down Odell Beckham Jr. And I think if he does that, I think the Giants sometimes he might do more than hard... that. That kid's outstanding. Yeah, I, I I think I think that if he if he does that, the Giants really struggle with where to look for their offense. I mean, he's a big such mm-hmm. a big part of it. Makes all the explosive plays it seems in that offense. And I think if if Norman contains him or shuts him down, this actually could get ugly for the Giants because the Giants are not a good football team. I mean, they're just not. No. Uh, no, that's not what I saw when I watched the game uh, live and in color on Monday. They just happen to be playing a team uh, that's just uh, even worser. And, and yeah. sorry, Is Mr. Pratt, Apple, if you're out there listening, they're they're worser, and so that's why they came away with a seven-point win against the Dolphins. And uh, staying along my theme, the Seahawks are at home. You know the home field advantage that they have. They're getting a playoff feel in their tummy. Um, they're going out and doing some. Uh, they're going out and doing numbers. They're looking like the Seahawks team that we expected them to be when this uh, season came out. And uh, the Cleveland Browns know nothing of winning back-to-back football games, so you can go ahead and cancel them winning this game. Um, they've got a whole clown show going on, and Cleveland's just Cleveland. There's two things Cleveland doesn't do: they don't win back-to-back games, and they don't go on the road and win. And they're in. They're they're going to, the, you know, if not. One of the hardest, the hardest place to win on the road. 
And uh, I think Seattle just continues their mash going forward. Let me talk and, the score out for you. I, I, I have a vision coming in my head right now with this game. I open mm-hmm. my Monday paper and I go down the scores. Mm-hmm. Seattle 30, Cleveland 6. Man, that is freaky because I was thinking 31-6. I should have blurted it yeah, out. Yeah, that's just, it just doesn't it just have that feel. A couple field goals, a couple field yeah. goals for Cleveland. One early yeah. because uh, you know they feel like you know it, it'll be seven to three, then it'll be fourteen to six, and then Seattle will press the gas and Cleveland will be gone yeah. way into the wind. So I'm taking New England, Carolina, and Seattle, and I'm figuring this, Hamel. There's no way all three of these teams let me down. Um, and there's a pretty good chance at least two of these teams keep doing what they've been doing, um, not only uh, over the last few weeks, but over time they're going to do what it is they're supposed to do. And I just can't lose. I can't lose again, Emil. I just can't take no, it. So I'm taking I like these three it. I like guys it. and I'm rolling with it. Believe it or not, not that it matters, but I do I do like the logic there. Let me, let me go here and, and tell you where I'm going. Just uh, a little bit all different my picks route. by saying that, by the way. Just wanted to let you know that. My first one, I'm just going against a bad I hear you. My first one, I'm just going against <laughs> a bad team. Okay, you ready? I... Yeah. Warren Sapp, you, if you're which, listening, which anywhere. one of the which one of the twenty bad teams in the NFL are you going against? Well, Eric? this is Warren Sapp's favorite bad team, the Atlanta Falcons. They've lost yeah. six games in a row or something like that, or seven out of eight. Uh-huh. Um, they got yeah. beat thirty-eight nothing last week, and I know the fear as well. They're they're professionals. They're gonna you know they got shut out. They're gonna really practice this week. I'm not sure they're interested in the season or this matchup at this point. Um, you know, you're sitting here with a team. They thought they were going someplace. They've dropped six in a row. They went from six and one, feeling like they were a playoff team, to six and seven. And now they go on the road to play a five and eight Jacksonville team, who showed me they're still interested in the season by losing 42-39 two weeks ago at Tennessee in a road game, and then hanging mm. 51 points in a division game against the Colts. Okay, they're mm. still very much interested in the season. They've won three of their last five. They're young. They feel their future's in front of them. I'll gladly mm. take Jacksonville at home and lay three points because I think Atlanta has checked out this year. There you go. So uh, Jacksonville minus three, first up on the hot list of picks from uh, my man, Emil Calamino. Larry Hoover. Second one, you know, Larry Hoover, we've gone four favorites now in a row. So at some point you have to start taking a look because there's some value here and and taking some points. We're throwing chalk out on a Friday, baby. Yeah, I think the Lodge makers have gotten a little bit carried away here in this Steeler Denver game. Um, you know, Denver certainly laid an egg last week. They they really did. Twelve mm. nothing uh, lead. We talked about it on Monday show. They kind of basically fell asleep, kicked a lot of field goals, and somehow got clipped by Oakland in a you know in a game where they weren't able to run the ball. They they threw fifty one passes. Uh, and here's what's amazing, by the way, in this game. Guess how much? Guess what the total offense was for the Oakland Raiders in a game that they won 15-12? Wasn't much. And you know what? I stepped away from the game and came back and said, what the hell happened? What what'd they do? Oakland had 126 yards of offense. Okay. Are you kidding me right now? Denver Swear to God. Be sick. Sick. That, that, Oakland's quarterback was 12 of 29 for 99 yards. They had 23 rushing attempts for 27 yards. Yet somehow won the game. They got a couple turnovers. So Denver Oakland got, didn't win a game last week. Uh, Denver lost it. Basically. And I sit here and I say to myself, Denver gives up 17 points a game and 272 yards a game. That's no fluke. The Steelers, while mm. not horrible on defense, they, they allow 370 yards a game. 
Okay, I, I'm thinking mm-hmm. Denver can move the ball enough in this game and plays enough defense that if you're going to give me six and a half points with a ten and three football team, I'm going to grab the six and a half mm-hmm. points. So I'm going to take the Denver Broncos plus the six and a half. I think you know we're making a little bit too much out of a Steeler win against a horrible Colts team, and then they beat Cincinnati. I liked what they did there; it was impressive. But again, it was against Cincinnati's second-string quarterback for three quarters of the game. So uh, I'll take mm-hmm. Denver plus points. Okay. And then finally, you know, I like big games, and I guess this is sort of a big game by NFL standards. Arizona goes to Philly, and they're giving them three points, and I'm sticking with your theory on this one. I'm just taking the better football team. I'm not going to try to figure out, uh, you know, motivation, any other thing. I, I, I see Arizona, they come in here scoring 31 points a game, allowing only 19, only allow 320 yards a game on defense. They're solid on both sides of the ball. They play an Eagle team that's been outgained for the season. The Eagles get 350 a game offensively and give up 385. That tells me they're not a very good football team. Uh, Philadelphia's won two in a row. The Patriots handed them one a couple weeks ago. We talked about that with the, 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 the Patriots just basically imploding. And last week against Buffalo, the Bills made about 16 penalties in that game, and the Philly needed every one of them to win 23-20. I just don't see them beating Arizona. I think this is a really quality Arizona team. You're only laying a field goal. I'll, I'll take the uh, Cardinals on national television to win this game. Well, so there you go, recapping it for the listeners who uh, anxiously and eagerly awaiting this on the edge of their seats uh, from both of us. Arizona minus three. Denver is a six-and-a-half-point underdog against the Steelers. And Jacksonville uh, is a minus three favorite against who, – who, who's that team they're playing again? Who's that team? Uh, it's the Atlanta, Atlanta. Falcons. They've just, made a, a, yeah. they've just done a really good job of losing games. And recapping mine, I'm uh, very chalky. Um, uh, as chalky as I've ever been. Seattle is a 15-point favorite. Carolina is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. And New England is a 14-point favorite. This probably marks the first uh, first time I've laid double digits uh, with two different teams in uh, one damn week. So there you go. Um, I'm breaking I'll be some, honest. I'm breaking only two games on this whole, so there's only two games on this board. I'm looking throughout the board here that I'm actually interested in sitting down and watching. One would be the Arizona Eagle game at night, and then the other would be that Denver-Pittsburgh game. The, the rest of the Yeah, so I, do you see why I said let's just make our picks, and then after that we'll see if there's anything in here worth any kind of a damn of talking about? Um, Chiefs and Ravens, can the Chiefs really – can the Ravens stop the uh, – big moving train that is the Kansas City Chiefs right now? Do they have any chance well, whatsoever? You know what's funny with down? the Ravens? Until last week when they just utterly quit, in, or maybe Seattle's just playing that well, the the Ravens, while being 4-9, were in every game this season. I mean, they lost 26-18 to Arizona. They won against mm-hmm. the Chargers by 3. They lost by 2 to Jacksonville. They beat the Cardinals by 3. They, they won by 6 against Cleveland. Lost by 2 to Miami. I mean, they've been in every game. I have to think... That's a winning organization. I mean, it really has been. That I think there's some pride there that they may be able to put up a good fight in this game, especially with Kansas City on the road. I have a feeling they can. I have a feeling they might stop that streak. I just got in my gut. I have that feeling that the Ravens probably stop the Kansas City roll here, um, which I don't know if I want to see that. I kind of want to see Kansas City do something. I want to see something of major interest outside of whether Carolina will go. Uh, perfect through the season. Um, I, I want another storyline here. 
uh, an on-the-field storyline, and what Kansas City is doing is one of those things. So I wouldn't mind seeing that continue. Give me something that's going to draw me to the games outside of whether or not uh, so-and-so is going to throw for 300 yards and five touchdowns and give me some fantasy points. Um, I need We need that. We do need that. Yeah. I would say that. I, I so, like I like um, Kansas City's story. I can root for Kansas City in the AFC playoffs. I like what they're doing. Why don't we just do this? Well, let's roll through here and see if there's any storyline we can suck out of any of these games. We already talked Atlanta and Jacksonville. Houston and Indianapolis. Is there any storyline we can pull well, out of that? Well, they're playing for first place. <sighs> That's just the fact that that is so. And both teams are have losing records. Six and seven Houston versus six and seven Indianapolis are in a You know the quarterback matchup match. is in this game? We've got uh, it's Yates, uh, Taylor Yates versus... Forty-year-old Matt Hasselbeck. Hasselbeck with Charlie Whitehurst in the, in the bullpen. Hasselbeck, who's you know probably Yates' dad, if you know, could be. Um, that's what we've got going on. Uh, you know what? The storyline for me: Can Clowney uh, finish the game, get a sack, uh, and continue? He's go. looked good, actually. He's looked good, actually, the last couple of weeks. Um, I I would love to see that. Would love to see J.J. Watt and uh, and Jadavion Clowney uh, in years to come doing things. There's my storyline. I came up with something. Buffalo and Washington. Go. This was a good good uh, Super Bowl uh, when I was in high school. Yeah, when I was out of high school by then. I'll tell you, I almost you're gonna laugh. I almost made this a pick. I saw Washington catching a point and a half at home. I just couldn't pull the trigger after watching. Our listeners, what the Bills thank you. Did. Our, our listeners, yeah. thank you for for not doing that. So we They're appreciate it. They're just so it. sloppy, though. <laughs> it's hard to pick Buffalo, Chad. They're so. I watched them play last week. So many penalties, just total sloppiness. But again, it's the Redskins. I just can't. I can't buy in yet. Sorry. Yeah, um, we picked the next two games. We next uh, three. Next three. We four. Uh, next three. We did pick those three. We did pick Keep the going, next four. four. So we're here. We're the Green Bay Packers and Oakland Raiders. We should be really, really interested in a game like this, and for some reason uh, we're not. I guess you could say it's one of the more interesting games. Um, Oakland's kind of playing – they kind of played themselves out of a, a, a playoff chance here, which I'm very disappointed about. They're, you know, I don't like what they've done over the last four weeks, checkerboarding their games. Uh, I think the Detroit loss on the road was the big disappointment. You know, Kansas City was is red hot. Um, you beat Denver, but then you know you lose. You do something and lose, like lose to Detroit. They'll probably come out here and beat Green Bay for all the hell we know. That's kind of how they roll. Well, I have Packers a feeling have go. a lot of people are going to jump Green Bay, giving only three in this game. And uh, again, it's Oakland. Just same way I said about Washington. I just can't pull the trigger. But I, I got a good feeling for some reason Oakland's winning this game. I just, I don't like. You know, could it be that, a, that the Packers got to go to Arizona next week? Could be that. It also could be the last two Packer games. I mean, what, they won on a Hail Mary against Detroit, and it took them three and a half quarters to finally put Dallas and Matt Hassel back away at home, or Matt Castle. I mean, I just don't I don't think Green Bay's playing as well as we're being led to believe by their 9-4 and four record. And I think Oakland's got some fight in them with Del Rio. They feel like they're building something there. If they were going to quit, it was going to be last week in a road game against you know a tough Denver team. They go out and somehow with 120 yards of offense figure out a way to hang in the game and win it. Um, this would be a game I'd keep my head. I wouldn't get hog wild with the Packers here. Remember when Cincinnati played San Francisco in a Super Bowl? I wore Reeboks back then. Twice. They played them twice in a Super Bowl, 81 and 88 yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah, one I was nine years old, and then the other one, the John Candy game I call uh, which was down here in Miami, actually. Yeah, I was wearing Reeboks. Yes. That's how long it's been. 
but you know, one of these teams is uh, you know could be smelling a Super Bowl, maybe, but not really. Uh, the other team is so far away, so so terribly far away that that just makes this one not very interesting at all. Cincinnati does need to get up off the canvas, though. Uh, there was a playoff type atmosphere last week, and they got completely punched in the face, and in the process, they're you know. Their quarterback got his thumb bent back and not going to play in this one. Old A.J. McCarron's going to get in there. He of, uh, you know, national championship fame and uh, hot girlfriend, now wife fame. He's going to get in there and actually see if he can get Cincinnati down the field and do things. You know what? I watched him when Dalton went out last week because, you know, I liked the atmosphere and feel of the Pittsburgh-Cincinnati game, so I stayed tuned. Um, he looked good, actually. Actually, looked like he might be able to do something. He did, but this he, uh, might be a bad. This might be a bad spot for Cincinnati. Here, here's here's what I see, and I understand San Francisco's four and nine. They played Pittsburgh at home last week, in a, you know, a real like you said, playoff atmosphere. They lose their quarterback. They lose the game. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next week, they have a game on tap at Denver, a, a team they feel is worthy of their attention. Because remember, they still believe that they are a Super Bowl contender, regardless of the quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. In between, they've got to make a road trip to San Francisco to play a 4-9 San Francisco team, and they've been installed mm-hmm. as a six-point favorite. That usually is mm-hmm. not a great formula. Right. Right? Um, you're right. Can't say you're yeah. wrong on all that, but, hell, we haven't been right very often, so who the hell knows? Cincinnati going there and win 30 to nothing. And who their the tight ends knows? out in this game, by the way, is a, a, one of their receiving threats. Eford is, is doubtful for the game, which, you know, you, you don't have your quarterback, you don't have your tight end, you're on the road, and the game's supposed to be played in light rain. It's just, it's, it just has the feeling of one of those ugly games that somebody wins 16-13. Yeah, and with that, um, you know, hate to end the hate to end the show on a note like that, but uh, we're ending it on a note like that, man. Uh, we gave the folks an extra thirty minutes here. We actually talked longer about the NFL than I thought we would. Uh, as disinteresting as some of these games may seem, if you pull a storyline out of it, uh, maybe you can actually sit there and, and and watch these things. Yeah, I guess. I, I, there you go. I, I told you the two I'm watching. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know where I'll be on a Sunday afternoon, um, but, you know, I'll be training some kids. I know that. I do do some training on Sunday, so that will be a part of my Sunday. When I get back, though, I'll be watching the NFL after all that crap I said. I'll find I'll find something interesting. Uh, Red Zone Channel, too. That's for the uh, ADD people out there. I'll be watching that so I can see just only the game By the way, on the 20 going before in. Before we go, <laughs> the Jets look a little too easy tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Perhaps is there anything easy in this whole thing? I don't know. I no, think I'm just, just saying on paper to... that looks too easy because after watching Matt Castle, you figure there should be a couple picks in his future tomorrow against the Jets, but uh, somehow that just looks a little too easy, and it is the Jets. Yeah, so. clearly this means the Cowboys are winning this deal. That's your Saturday afternoon game, though. Four uh, nine Cowboys hosting the Jets. Enjoy that and enjoy the bowl games. Enjoy your weekend. Get out there and get those gifts. Uh, Go spend that money. Go slide that card. Go put yourself in debt like the rest of America. And uh, we'll see you back again on Monday. Amal Chad, wrapping things up on Monday for all of our listeners. We'd like to thank you for listening to the show. For Amal Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Enjoy your day.